Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Today's episode is sponsored by AltLegal. AltLegal's intuitive cloud-based software makes it easy to prepare and manage intellectual property. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest focuses her practice on intellectual property with an emphasis on infringement litigation. She's an experienced trial lawyer who has negotiated intellectual property disputes through trial to final judgment. A partner in the Washington office of McDermott, Will, and Emery, Natalie Bennett, welcome to Left Foot. Thanks, Nicole. It's great to be here. Great to have you as our guest today, Natalie. Let's start with your personal strengths and habits. Which personal strengths or habits have allowed you to be successful in developing your business? I've always looked at my career as one building block that leads to another. And I think from the time I got out of law school, I knew if I could just get that one next opportunity that that would lead to somewhere else. And it has really worked out that way for me. I got an internship that led to a clerkship. I got a clerkship that led to a law firm job. That law firm job led to an appellate court clerkship. And then the appellate court clerkship led to a path that ultimately took me to partner. And I think it is similar in in the business development, if you just look at you know, one opportunity, not as, oh, this is a small project or this is a small opportunity, but, you know, this is one thing that's really good for me to do and you never know where else it's going to lead. I think I'm also relentless in terms of trying to get myself where I need to be to be in the right place in the right time so far as I can determine it. And then I think the personal strength that is very helpful in terms of growing my own practice and developing business is that I genuinely really care about relationships and I spend a lot of time trying to nurture and culture uh, the people in my life professionally, personally, and it is surprising and satisfying where that can go if you just pay attention to people and you genuinely care. Great points. Let's talk about that care and nurturing. Describe that. What does that entail? For a lot of our listeners, they think of business development, they think of building those relationships, and it can be uncomfortable. For you, what does care and really caring, of course, that's probably easily explained, but what does that nurturing look like? I feel really fortunate that a lot of my professional network overlaps somewhat with my personal network and the people I like to spend time with outside of work. Both of my clerkships, I was exposed to other people that were law clerks that went on to go to firms that have gone on to go in-house. And just by becoming friends with those people, getting to know their spouses or significant others, actively doing things with them, going on vacation, just doing a lot of the things that you do with people in your life. But it happens that a lot of these people are lawyers too. I found that you get to know people very well. And if someone trusts you, I think they're going to be more open to working with you because a lot of the things you worry about working with outside counsel, you worry about less if this is also someone who you know you think has your best interest at heart. We've heard similar comments from others that professional network tends to blend into personal relationships. 
relationships because you spend so much time with other lawyers, with clients. There's common interests. Why not? Let's talk about your growth strategy. So you've been a partner now for a little bit more than a year, about 15 months or so. Right. Have you created a strategy for yourself to be able to deliver to the other shareholders on financial commitments? What is your plan and what is your strategy? Well, I will tell you that it is still a work in progress. I am certainly a very junior partner and I think I've done a lot of really great things, but know that there is definitely a lot of room to grow. I think that it starts with your internal clients as you're talking about the other partners at your firm, just consistently demonstrating to them that if they entrust you with something, whether it's their client or your client, that you're you're going to do good work, you're going to make the firm proud, that people are going to be proud to have you representing them. I think that can lead to a lot of internal growth. And then in terms of external growth, I think it's imperative for someone who's rather junior like me to be out there speaking and writing and going to conferences. And I think one thing that is important to impress upon younger lawyers is that I think a lot of times when we practice law, we get real caught up in how busy we are and you lose sight of just how important it is to get out of the office and to go to these conferences and to go to these seminars and not just to go once, but to go every single year so that when you show up, there is this cadre of people, they're used to seeing you, they're familiar with what you've been doing, they know that you were speaking at another conference. And I think that that's a good way externally to try and grow. And so that's something that I'm really focused on. That's great advice, very solid advice. I do the same. I go to conferences and I do go to the same conferences year after year. You do build those relationships versus, you know, adding that new conference. If I find I'm not benefiting, I may swap out a conference, but I tend to go year after year. Natalie, I'm going to ask you a question about confidence. You obviously, to be able to speak, to be able to work with your internal partners and to walk into meetings with other partners, especially as a junior partner, have you had to adjust the way you do that? Have you had to motivate yourself from a confidence perspective or was that something you always had? If you can comment on that, that'd be helpful. Sure. I think that that's a really important question. And I think that this is so important for women, especially. I think whatever doubts you have internally, you have to act like you belong there. You have to act like you have every reason to be in that room. I think that's the only way that you get the really good opportunities is you act like you're not surprised when they come to you. I recently had an experience. We had this trial recently where I have been working with our technical expert for months on her report, on her deposition. And we only really had two big witnesses to put on for our side of the case. And when the more senior partner came to me and he said, what do you think about you doing Dr. Mitchell's direct examination? I was really excited. The truth is, I had always expected to do that and I had wanted to do that and I had the confidence to know I was the right person to do that. So when he came to me and he said, did you want to do it? I didn't act shocked. I wasn't. I said, you know, I'd love to do it and I was expecting to do it. So I think the best way to get exciting new opportunities is to already be acting like, of of course, those are going to come to you because you put in the work that they should come to you. Thank you for that answer and for sharing that example. We are talking today because I saw an article in and the American lawyer about when you became partner and what that looked like. Would you be open to sharing that story with our listeners? Because it does play to that confidence. Sure. I am perhaps unique or maybe not in that I've always known that this was my goal, that I wanted to become partner. I wanted it 
as soon as I thought it was feasible, maybe sooner than when other people thought I was ready. And so I, I'd really been strategizing for quite some time about how to approach going up for partner, how to internally talk to people at my firm, how to put my packet together. And we had a really wonderful bet the company win for a client where I had been integral to all the efforts. I had moved out to California for two months to prop all the witnesses. I mean, everyone at this company knew me. They felt comfortable with me. And when the trial was over and we achieved this great result, I felt that I had to talk directly at the client and to explain there are some younger lawyers on this team and the people who manage us are we're not necessarily here but we need them to know what an important contribution we made and here's the person you should contact it would mean a lot if you could send something concrete about what the more junior lawyers did during the course of this trial that client sent glowing emails and it was not just about me it was about i think there were four of us who had really given a lot of blood sweat and tears to this effort and i know that that mattered when they were making the partnership decisions i know when the management committee was looking at these things to have a really strong referral straight from a client that's important. Unfortunately, clients don't always think to do that. And so in this instance, I did have to be the prompt, which is not always a comfortable thing to do. But I felt like this relationship was strong enough that this is someone that would go out of their way to help me. And I'm very fortunate that he did. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I do think most clients, especially you're doing good work, they're out there, they're seeing you do it. And of course, they may not think about it, especially because they're thinking about whatever situation is going on, whatever matter case is going on. But the idea of asking, I think most would be willing. So it's great, great advice to our listeners. Back to business development and your focus today on obtaining clients, getting assigned to and, and working on new matters matters that have been driven through your efforts. What tactical things do you do? You mentioned going to conferences, going regularly, getting out and networking, but are there other things that on a regular basis you do, either communication or touching base with clients? What does that part of your role look like? Sure. Well, I am at the point in my career where every new project or new matter that is mine or that I've helped originate is something that I get really excited about. And so just from a technical perspective, I think it's important if you, the partner, are trying to grow that relationship that you are actively involved regardless of whether you are the person actually doing in the work. I don't think you bill your time for this. Don't charge the client but really take an active role in managing so that they have the best team, so that there is clear communication. And I think that's a really easy way to demonstrate to that client that you care, that you're not charging them, but you're making sure that all the trains are running on time. The other piece of that is that when you're putting teams together, you know, assuming it's going to be more than you or people other than you that are doing that work. I think you have to be candid with the people you're working with, whether they're above you or below you. This relationship is super important to you. You're excited about it and everyone needs to be excited and everyone needs to invest together that this isn't just my client. This is our client. This is the firm's client. Let's all be really motivated to make this a good experience for that client. And I think a lot of times something comes in and someone just hands it off to someone else. And there isn't that message that this is something that we all need to really be in together. Regardless of how large or small the matter is, I'm definitely at the stage where for everything, I just want to knock it out of the park and communicate that to the people I'm working with. And now a word from our episode sponsor. 
AltLegal's intuitive cloud-based software makes it easy to prepare and manage intellectual property. Trusted by IP boutiques, AM200 firms, and in-house legal departments to handle thousands of filings every day, AltLegal automatically updates case statuses and deadlines, seamlessly collects key client details, and instantly generates IP filings. For more information, go to altlegal.com. How about a success story where you were able to originate a piece of business? Can you share one with our listeners? Yeah, and I'll come at it by saying I always kind of struggle with how assertive you need to be about asking. There is this tension between asking for work and then planting the seeds and letting it come to you more organically. So I had a situation this past year where I made partner A friend of mine from law school was very excited that I made partner. She has an in-house role doing IP at a really large publicly traded company. She knew me and she knew that this was a good thing for me. And I never had to explicitly ask her for work. It was just one day the email came through. Do you think you can clear conflicts? This is really small, but we'd love to have you at McDermott work on it. To me, that was a success story because I I didn't even have to ask really. She intuitively understood. But then when we got this small matter and I talked to her about how important it is for me to be showing to the firm that I have the potential to bring in larger matters. Once she understood that, she gave us an opportunity to submit an RFP for a very large piece of business. Now, we did not end up getting that really large piece of business, but once she understood that just having the opportunity to submit that proposal would be a good thing for me, she was more than willing to kind of go the extra mile to at least make sure that my team at McDermott was part of the conversation. And so I don't consider the success bringing in the work because that particular large piece of work we didn't bring in, but it was a success to me that once I explained to her, this is what I need in my stage in my career, that she responded really positively. And I'm hopeful that the next time it will have the result that we actually get to work together on that. Fantastic. That's a very strong message because it really is those at-bats that allow an organization to get to know you, get to know your firm, get to know how you would approach a piece of business if you were to be awarded that piece of business or if you were to basically, I always say earn, but you know, I'm sure you earned it, you just weren't awarded it. I think those at-bats are are critical and especially with teams starting out. You don't know. There's a 50-50 chance, even if you're the most experienced the one that presented the most succinct pitch, there's still a 50-50 chance that there might be a relationship or some other extenuating circumstance. Those at-bats can really lead to something. So thank you for sharing that. You're absolutely right. Just getting to swing the bat, I think, is critical. The market's changed. The market's changed since you started practicing law. What do you think has been affected by the change in the market in the legal space? And and I'll give you an example. I had the opportunity to hear the, the co-chair of DLA Piper speak at a conference recently, and he talked about the fact that he was no longer leading a law firm, but he was leading a legal ecosystem. In your opinion, what has changed and how has that affected the way that you're operating in your practice, in your space? I think the biggest change is that you can see and feel the intense pressure on in-house counsel to control costs in a way that before 2009 didn't exist. I think after the recession, there was this intense pressure to control costs. And I think people thought that once the market improved, that some of that pressure may dissipate. I don't think that's necessarily been the case. And I think what we are seeing 
more and more of is an actual bidding process for companies to decide how they are going to award new work. And it's not even going through in-house counsel. Oftentimes it's going through the procurement department. And so I think once you realize that bringing in new business is in some sense and in some places becoming more of a bidding system, you as a law firm have to think about what can you do to share some of the risk and the reward with your partners on the in-house counsel side. What I think is happening, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, is that when you are pitching for new work, I think the idea of an upside or some sort of success fee is more important now than it ever was before. I think in-house counsel can feel good about knowing that they're getting very deep discounts or that you're going to lower your attorney costs for them, but that if you get them a great result, you know, you can negotiate some sort of success fee or some kind of upside. And I think that that helps them look good in their role when there is this increasing pressure to contain costs. We are hearing from the folks in the legal purchasing side of the house and definitely the legal operations side that you are exactly right. I mean, there is intense pressure and they are being asked to run their areas like a business and they are not just taking revenue out of the business or basically being a cost center, but that there has to be some management of that cost. They are a cost center, but some management of that cost. And Natalie, have you experienced any kind of e-bidding or e-procurement type of situations? Yes. No, I think for patent infringement litigation, that is becoming more and more mainstream where uh, you are actually just punching numbers into different categories and then those numbers are being crunched by the procurement teams and that is in a large way how people are deciding how to award business. I think it happens a lot on the transactional or the prosecution side, both for patents and trademarks. If you have this huge IP portfolio and you're trying to decide you know, which firm you want to manage it, it's becoming much easier to just take the raw numbers per patent application, per trademark application, and to figure out who's going to be the the best and most efficient provider. No, we're definitely hearing that on this end. That said, what do you see out there that's innovative? And that could be technology, it could be an approach. What would you consider innovative? I do think people are starting to realize that the demographics of the legal profession are changing and in particular, there is going to be a lot of retirement from senior lawyers in the next five to 10 years. A lot of the baby boomers are going to retire. And I do think people are being innovated and conscientious about trying to grow the next generation of leaders and to accommodate people who are millennials or people who are diverse or women, that there is a recognition that there's going to be openings for these people to kind of be the next wave of leaders. And one of the most concrete ways that we're seeing that is actually in the court system. A lot of judges are putting out orders saying that they want to see more junior attorneys arguing. And the response I've seen from the in-house counsel has been very, very positive that they really welcome this idea of identifying junior talent earlier so that in 10 years when they need a new lead trial counsel, there is someone out there with experience and that this is something we have to invest in. So I think both uh, internally at companies and at law firms, there is a push to make sure people are ready when it's their time. And I think that's innovative and, and wonderful. 
Thank you for sharing that. We had not heard that judges are making that request. You know, there is that idea that diversity has to be part of really what an in-house group needs to require. The clients can push a lot of this. We're hearing that more and more. We're doing a general counsel series right now on Left Foot, and we've heard that consistently in our interviews that when we ask for diversity, we actually mean diverse people working on our business and actually participating in meetings and doing the work. So I think we're we're going to see a change. We're going to see a change. It's going to be almost forced on us, to your point, because of retirements, et cetera. Yeah, no, I think we're already seeing it. I think I read an article a couple of weeks ago that HP Inc. is going to start withholding 10% of what they owe on their invoices if law firms can't staff their matters with appropriately diverse teams. Let's talk about those millennial, mobile, and global folks out there. What advice would you give to that associate, to that person that's saying, okay, I've gotten here, I'm doing good work, but now it's time to start reaching for partner and doing the things that I need to do to establish myself and prepare for partnership. What advice would you give them? So I will give them the advice that a partner that I work with gave me on one of my worst days when I was kind of at this senior associate role. I was particularly frustrated about something. I felt like maybe this is all not worth it. And he said, he quoted Bo Beckler, who was the football coach at Michigan. He said, those who stay will be champions. And I think part of quote unquote, making it in this law firm environment that we have is just persisting and deciding that even though there are bad days, and even though it is hard, you can stick with it. I think this is an issue because I think, you know, when people talk about the profile of millennials, it seems like there is a tendency to not stay in jobs as long, to be more willing to change jobs. And I think if you want to get to the top of private practice, at least, you have to have a tolerance for a certain amount of uncomfortable or unpalatable situations. And you have to internally seal yourself. You can get through this. You want to make it. Not every day is going to be perfect, but that you have to power on. And so I think that's not for everyone. And I think people get discouraged and a lot of times rightfully so. If you know this is what you want, then you have to find ways to make yourself mentally tough enough to get through the really bad days. Great advice and a great point. Someone sent me something recently and said that busy is the new stupid. There are some roles that just require a lot of time and a lot of work. And to be successful, you have to put in that time. And, and of course, if you enjoy what you're doing, it helps. Natalie, you mentioned early in our interview that you had the pleasure of having some clients and people you work with be friends, possibly started out as friends and are now clients and associates. Assuming that's something you enjoy about the work you do, what else makes your day-to-day enjoyable. What I like the most about what I do is probably specific to the area of law that I practice, which is primarily patent infringement and trade secret litigation, which is oftentimes focused around very complicated technology. And it is sometimes difficult to translate to a judge or jury these complicated technical concepts. I really enjoy making litigation a story and using 
stories to help businesses solve their problems. I think you have to be willing. Every problem can be broken down into simpler pieces. And so I really enjoy distilling the really complex, scary things and making them something that is relatable, not only to the people who are litigating it, but to the people who are going to be deciding the issues. Beyond that, I am a firstborn. I am a people pleaser. I really enjoy trying to get other people's affirmation by achieving a great result and really nothing makes me happier than working for a partner or a client who feels like I've done great work, they're pleased with it. That makes me so happy and it makes it really enjoyable when you know that you've contributed to something bigger than yourself that is going to help this company or this individual going forward. Strong point, informative and encouraging interview, Natalie. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. 